Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck O'Noctane. Treasure Valley Podcast is a production of Lower Gentry Studios, and this particular episode is sponsored by the indie film We Speak. We Speak follows a young couple on New Year's Eve as they make an important decision that will affect the rest of their lives. We Speak is available to rent or stream on Amazon. It's free for Prime members. It was filmed in the Treasure Valley during the winter of Snowmageddon or Snowpocalypse, which if you didn't live here during the winter of 2016-2017, it was frigid for several weeks and it felt like the snowfall was endless. The entire valley suffered from our city governments not having enough snowplows. We were all stuck in our homes, except for those with very capable four-wheel drives. It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime disasters that governments and government leaders were unprepared for, but was completely preventable with a little bit of foresight and planning. I was really glad when the sun finally came out, nature ran its course, our suffering was over, and our political leadership chalked up the entire winter as a fluke, went back to business as usual, and decided not to prepare adequately for the next winter storm. Hmm. Why does this all sound so familiar? Today, I want to talk about arguments, but first, let's talk about what's going on in the Treasure Valley. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on in the Treasure Valley? The coronavirus is still spreading. Idaho continues to see an uptick in infections. We are seeing the signs of contact tracing, however, with local news stations and newspapers posting locations that COVID-positive people have visited while they were potentially infectious. It seems that bars are getting all the attention during this contact tracing effort. Bar owners are hopeful that upcoming studies will show that the coronavirus isn't easily transmitted by those with a blood alcohol of over 0.1. But so far, alcohol consumption studies have only connected high levels of drinking with high levels of awesome, except when going back to shots at the end of the night, which is connected with high levels of novice. Safety first, liquor before beer. The village at Meridian is nearly 100% open now. Unfortunately, bland corporate fun centers didn't fall victim to the coronavirus. My favorite part about shopping the village at Meridian is knowing that I'm helping to employ thousands of children overseas. A house caught fire in Middleton last week, The biggest blow to the owner? The insurance payment wasn't enough to move out of Middleton. Canyon County arrests have gone down during the pandemic. Although we here in Canyon County can't decide if crime has gone down because of the pandemic or because we lost the connect to that good shit at about the same time. Outside of Idaho, the NBA is restarting its season at the end of July. Selected teams will finish the season and go on to the playoffs. All of this will be happening in Disney World, Florida. Clearly, Disney is targeting the NBA as the next acquisition in its corporate goal of owning everything. Finally, summer's here. Today, Saturday, June 20th, is the official summer solstice, the longest day of the year. Enjoy it. Here are some things you can say to rub it into any of those suckers you know living in the Southern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere suckers. I hope this long winter pokes you in the poker. Hey. How's the weather down there? Damn, my day today felt so long. Don't forget to put on your jacket before you go outside, dumb shit. The only hot beverage I'll be drinking this month is the beer I forgot out in the sun. Seasonal affective disorder is serious. Seriously lame. Enjoy your Christmasless winter, asshole. 
The only thing more backwards than your seasons is the way your water spins down the drain. Oh, sorry, I can't hear you over the music from that ice cream truck. Southern Hemisphere suckers, I hope this long winter pokes you in the poker. Alright, that was nice. Hopefully we didn't lose our listener in southern Argentina. I gotta remember to replace that segment with an empanada recipe for the Spanish version of Treasure Valley Podcast. El Podcast del Valle Tesoro. Today I want to talk to you about some research I found this week on the subject of arguments. Here we go. Come pick a side, come pick a side. In episode 77, I spoke a bit on bias and research that helped people be flexible in their opinions. The study I referenced most frequently in that episode found that when people find weaknesses in their own positions, they become more flexible. Well, I found a study that gives additional information on the psychology of arguments, so I want to review that with everyone today because I feel like social media and the news has become so venomous that any tool we can use to navigate our current situation is helpful. The study I will be referencing today is the Influence of Social Interaction on Intuitions of Objectivity and Subjectivity, published June 1st, 2016 in Cognitive Science Journal. What this study found was that our perception of truth changes based on social cues and expectations. Have you ever gotten to an argument with someone that you felt was completely wrong and ignorant of all relevant knowledge? What did that experience look like? Have you ever investigated a situation with another person where the two of you needed to find a solution to a problem? How was that experience different? To start, let's talk about objective versus subjective. From Webster's Dictionary, objective is of, relating to, or being an object, phenomenon, or condition in the realm of sensible experience independent of individual thought and perceptible by all observers, having reality independent of the mind. Subjective is characteristic of or belonging to reality as perceived rather than as independent of mind. One way to think about arguments is to categorize them into two types, objective arguments and subjective arguments. An objective argument would be any argument about underlying truth. An example would be, did Fleetwood Mac release an album titled Rumors? Someone that lacks knowledge of 70s music might say something like, there was never an album titled Rumors, or there was never a band named Fleetwood Mac. That person would be incorrect, because objectively, a band named Fleetwood Mac released an album called Rumors in 1977. I'm sure you could imagine how frustrating it would be to argue with a person who refused to acknowledge Fleetwood Mac's existence. Something that may be worth arguing over, however, might be the subjective counterpart to that question, such as, is the album Rumors good? Or maybe a more irritating subjective argument might be, the album Rumors by Fleetwood Mac is better than the Beatles' White Album. There is no objective truth to those last two statements. Better and good are a matter of opinion. Other subjective arguments might occur around questions like, where should we go for dinner tonight? Who's going to win the next Super Bowl? Or when will the coronavirus subside? You may be thinking that objective facts and subjective opinions should be easy to recognize and therefore arguments must be limited to disagreements on subjectivity. Well, objectivity and subjectivity can get very complicated. Most of us experience our stances on a continuum. 
And it's this individual perception of ultimate truth that guides our ability to be flexible or inflexible with our thoughts. In the study I'm talking about today, two different types of argument strategies are identified, arguing to win versus arguing to learn. A great analogy is used to compare the two types. Think of a courtroom. Inside that courtroom are two lawyers that both have the goal of arguing to win. Their position has been chosen, and even if they disagree with their client, they would never admit it. The judge, however, is in the position of arguing to learn. The judge may make statements, points, or ask questions, but these are to clarify arguments being made so that he or she can come to a conclusion. The goal of arguing to win is to win. The goal of arguing to learn is to learn. The design of this experiment was, in my subjective opinion, excellent. The experiment was repeated several times with new subjects, and each time one small aspect was changed or verbiage was adjusted. But overall, the conclusions were enlightening. Let me explain the procedure. Groups of people were given topics to debate. The topics were as follows. Same-sex marriage, teaching evolution, marijuana legalization, abortion, violent video games, global warming, public health care, euthanasia, gun rights, wage gap. Clearly, these are topics you want to avoid during Thanksgiving dinner conversation with Uncle Ned. The participants were then primed for one of two situations, argue to win or argue to learn. If they were going to argue to win, they were given the instructions, in this study, you will be justifying your position on some issues to a reader who has a strong stance on these issues. This is a highly competitive exchange, and your task will be to outperform the other person. Keep in mind that you will both be trying to win against each other and work toward outperforming the opposition. If the subject's goal was to argue to learn, they changed the end of the prompt to read, This is a highly cooperative exchange, and your task will be to learn as much as you can from the other person. Keep in mind that you will both be trying to understand each other and to work toward mutual interests. Some of the subjects then partook in an online argument with another subject. Some subjects never argued with anyone. Some subjects wrote an essay. Some subjects didn't even get a prompt about an upcoming argument. I told you this was a thorough experiment. But all subjects answered the following question. Earlier studies show that people take opposite positions on the issue of, insert issue, given that people have opposite views, at least one side must be wrong. Then on a scale of one to seven, seven being the most objectively true, they had to rate the statement. The results of the experiment were interesting. There were several conclusions. Number one, People working together or arguing to learn reported issues as being less objective than those pitted against each other. That is, they were more flexible in their stances. They didn't think that they were quote-unquote right. Number two, people that were simply primed to engage in a cooperative activity rated the issues as being less objective as well. These were the people that never actually engaged in an argument. They were just told that they would be working together with a partner to try to agree on something. But they were then fast-forwarded to the final question rating their flexibility. They were just as flexible as the group that, quote-unquote, argued to learn. Number three, people's baseline ratings on the objectivity of various issues was a lot closer to the argue-to-win group. That is to say, without being primed for an argument to win, people tend to see their stances as being more objectively true, which may account for why people are more likely to speak than listen. I don't have a reference to back that statement up. I'm going solely off my own subjective experience. Number four, in one experiment, they had subjects alternate perspectives. 
And this, again, didn't change their view on the objectivity of their beliefs. That is to say, empathy isn't enough, which agrees with the study I discussed in episode 77 of this podcast. Overall, the experiment showed that social situations and expectations guide the strength of our opinions. A simple change of expectation between, I'm going to crush the competition, to, we need to come to a mutual agreement, allowed subjects to see their opinions as just that more opinions than actual fact. I would suspect that the key to opening your mind to the perspective of others is to approach a situation with the goal of listening rather than the goal of sharing your own opinions. I think the echo chamber of social media is training its users to keep increasing the volume to be heard, which is counterproductive, especially when it comes to learning and keeping one's mind flexible. Anyway, those are my thoughts, and you can disagree with me, but if you do, you're objectively an asshole. Let's end with a joke from a hat. Take a joke from a hat when you read it, I'll bet that you make someone laugh. It's a joke from a hat. It was a hot summer day. I wanted to escape. I needed to escape. So I dropped the top on my convertible and began driving up into the mountains. I twisted and turned, being sure to pick the roads that continued my gradual ascent. As the temperature dropped, I first felt relief. Then, exhilaration. Impulsively, I pressed my right foot down on the accelerator pedal. The engine growled. The tires squealed. As my quest for respite in the cool mountain air morphed into a thirst that could only be quenched by adrenaline. I awoke in the hospital several days after my near-fatal accident. A nurse was checking my vitals. I asked what happened. He responded, You were nearly decapitated. Fortunately, someone found you incapacitated and an ambulance arrived in time to capture you before you became permanently handicapped. I replied, thank you. For saving my life, I take my hat off to you. All right, thanks so much for tuning in this week. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to tell a friend about it. I hope you all stay happy, stay healthy, and enjoy your first week of summer. <laughs>